You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Hey, everybody. Happy Saturday. Welcome to All the Things, the show where we discuss all things related to God, life, and the Bible. I am Monique, and you are? I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And I love it because this is the time of the week where we get to discuss the cultural issues of the day in light of the Christian worldview. Yeah, and there are some cultural issues of this we day. Have, <laughs> our issues have subscriptions. <laughs> yes. So if you would like to uh, support the show, I'll look over here. Uh, please hit that share button right now. We need your help to continue to get the word out. I know many of you enjoy the broadcast. Uh, spread the good news. Don't, don't just keep it to yourself. Yes. Or as I like to say, run till that. <laughs> that never mind. You just had a black saying. It, you know, <laughs> it could be considered a bit more hood. Not necessarily black, just okay. you know, hood. Okay. Um I'm learning things all the time. Yes. How was your week? I was okay. I got a really cool present in the mail this week that I wanted to share with everyone. One of our viewers has noticed that I am a Johnny Cash fanatic. I frequently uh, wear Johnny Cash t-shirts on the show. Frequently. She wears them all the time, people. She loves Johnny Cash. Not tonight. Johnny Cash. Not tonight. No, I didn't mean like on the show every day. I mean, just like you I think love I have, Johnny Cash. I think five. I, have, I have five shirts, yeah. And a sweatshirt. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I got... Greg Laurie's new book on Johnny Cash from a viewer this week. It came in the mail to my house. Oh. I was pretty excited. Folks, I need some gifts. Hold on. Wait a minute now. I didn't know. I didn't know he was rolling deep like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just want to say a shout out to our viewer, uh, one of our viewers in Nashville. And she sent me this. It was actually on my Amazon wish list. So... Uh, yeah, very cool. I'm excited to take a look at that. So thank you to the viewer. You know who you are. Johnny Cash, Redemption of American Icon. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put how my week was. Yeah, how there, was your week? You know, in case anybody else may be wondering. <laughs> If you're not, it's okay. I'm just going to tell you anyway. I want to get my eyebrows done today, y'all. I'm just going to go ahead and put that Woo! out there because they was kind of looking like little badgers. But, um, <laughs> y'all, you know, I don't know how many people out there, and not just, I say people because men also do it, get their eyebrows threaded. It's literally where they take like sewing thread or dental floss. I'm not really sure what it is. And they hold a piece of it in their mouth and they wrap these two ends around and then they kind of go back and forth and do like this. But it, I don't know. It kind of makes the thread like tease back and forth and then it rips your hair out. That sounds like fun. It is the most painful thing, but it does really do good work. But today I had a new lady and yeah, okay. So she was getting training. She was, she was, yeah, it felt like she was pulling out my hopes and dreams, folks. I was like, why are you pulling so hard? Like, like I am connected to these hair follicles. Why are you pulling so hard? I didn't understand. These are the sacrifices you make to be on television. Sacrifices. It felt like she was trying to arrest the very thing for which I had been captured. I was like, who are you, Holy Spirit? Like, why are you so intertwined in what is happening in my face? It was a horrible situation. I cried. And she was like, oh, poor girl, you're crying. Then at the end of it had nerve to tell me, oh, you have one good eyebrow and one bad eyebrow. 
And I was like, what? I know that one of them is a little rogue, can go a little feral every once in a while. But she was like, no, you have one she good one. Telling she, you like it is. She said, you have one from Nordstrom's and one from Walmart. <laughs> I said, <laughs> here's a tip. That is not what you should say to a customer. But anyway, that is the highlight of my week, folks. Wow, we're already getting some good activity. We want to invite everyone to join in the chat box there on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, Bob will check the Facebook messages. Uh, it's a little harder for us to access those during the show. Facebook isn't as friendly with the chats. But uh, if you really want to get to us, uh, go on the YouTube stream. And Oh, Rhyme His Song says, just pluck them on. Now, see, let me tell you what had happened. What had happened was one time I had plucked my eyebrows and I ended up looking like Whoopi Goldberg. I didn't have nothing. It was a mess. <laughs> I don't even know if I can mention her name on a show, but I did. I had no eyebrows left. And I felt like that was wrong. And so now I budget because I know we're going to flash back to a couple weeks ago and because I know Miss Hartley's watching. I budget to make sure that I can get my eyebrows threaded because that pain is worth it. So I don't have to look like I have badgers and porcupines running across my face. I want to know is, do they make those stores for pulling nose hairs? Do they do that? You know, if you need somebody to pluck your nose hairs, you you got other issues. I don't know. Get a toenail clipper. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, people, we are way off track. But okay. you know what? Our viewers are definitely keeping us on track because... Ryan Hassan says those are sinister brows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my finger is cricket. Aww. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Songs also says, has a word for you, Bob, that they really like your t-shirt design All of right. love oh. God with your, yes. uh, Jesus came to die for your sins, not your mind. Yes. And, yes. uh, speaking of that, that's a great way to support the show. Another great way is I'm to wearing a shirt today. check out our family t-shirt shop. Monique is is uh sporting one of yes, our I designs am. i love this i want to do like a little dance a little shimmy but i feel we're not that kind of show folks i'm Maybe still a work in progress Bob, Pray for uh me. tell us what inspired you for this design that monique's wearing uh, yeah um i just was browsing designs and i came across this one heartbeat uh design i thought oh, i'll be interested to put a cross in there and i thought maybe i'll just put one just no heartbeat crossed than than the heartbeat, and I thought that seemed like a good idea. So that's what King. And what's the that. scripture behind that one? They all have scriptures. Good, I love that. Good question. I think is is it uh, John ten? Yeah, let me uh, pull that up here. There it is. This is the John uh, eleven. I was close. Yeah, John eleven. Uh, yeah, Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die." And whoever lives by believing me will never die. So our life comes from Christ. So that's so it's kind of like we're to. dead before the cross, and then our heart beats after the it. cross. Yes, yeah. because of what Christ did. The new life. I love it. Yes, it is awesome. Um, man, people are just jumping in already. You know what? Let's do the show rundown so we can jump in. Okay. Um, Everyone wants to talk about Halloween. Yes. So let's do this. So. Let's do um, the rundown. It's right here. Oh, and we need to give a shout out to Abby because Abby's not here. Yeah, she has a cough. She has a cough. Yeah. She can't be like in the background hacking all the time. No. So we sent her upstairs. Yes. And there's that. Um, <laughs> you <what>? got that. <laughs> so, all yes. right. What's the rundown? So uh, should Christians celebrate Halloween? 
That's a question. That's what we're going to talk about at the yeah. top of the show. Yes. And um, I'm going to have a little rant about Jen Hatmaker. Yes. Uh, after that, from her talk at the Evolve yes. Conference. Make sure you stay tuned for that, people. <laughs> and then there was a ruling by the British court this week um, that the Christian worldview contradicts the human dignity. Yeah, which I find completely interesting since the Bible historically is the foundation for human rights. So i uh, got to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yes, yes. raise the an eyebrow. And, and then we'll have the tweet, tweet of the week. week. We don't want to forget about that. Okay, yes. so let's get into it here. Um, we're going to do a segment about Halloween. After this segment, half our viewers are probably going to be upset and the other half are going to be upset for different reasons. That's all right. That's all right. It's we all can right. take it. Uh, some are going to say, you know, we're being overly legalistic. Others are going to say that we're not being Christian, strong, just not be strong enough. Yeah. So, uh, so here we go. You should, have left the faith. Yeah. Should Christians celebrate Halloween? I get this question every year and basically there's two views. Mm-hmm. Uh, view number one is Halloween is a harmless holiday where kids dress up in spooky costumes and go to door to door and get free candy. Uh, view number two is it is uh, an occultic holiday and Christians should have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the, the two positions, the two positions yeah. of, and I know people on, on both sides of those positions and I'm going to kind of uh, have some thoughts about it from my perspective and working in the role of deliverance okay, as well. So, <laughs> well, all right. You just say, well, what's your take on it? What's your all take? Right. So, well, first of all, every year I always post my friend's, uh, my friend Ken Sample's article, The Tricky to- Topic of Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's available at reasons.org, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. He's um, an apologist. He is a theologian, theologian okay. and a philosopher. And he has a very nice article, and he wrote it, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago now. And um, he he kind of makes his case this way of like, Let's just start off by acknowledging sort of the odd origins of Halloween, you know, uh, the the historical origins of it. Um, there's various accounts of where it came from. Uh, I just did a quick search on the history.com website this week uh, um, for a, just a quick survey of it. Um, the Celtic origins of the holiday go back quite a ways even before the medieval period um but then sort of in the medieval era uh catholics um started some have argued kind of a replacement holiday Mm -hmm. with all saints day on november the first Mm -hmm. where they celebrate the saints um and then halloween became all hallows eve which was like the kind of like Christmas Eve. It was the night before All Saints Day. And they, uh, you know, there's various renditions of whether or not the Catholic Church kind of imitated some of the celebrations from the original Celtic holiday. Um, And I don't think there's much dispute that the origins in the Celtic version of Halloween is it's fairly pagan. Um, I don't think that that's a controversial point to make. Mm-hmm. 
there's various levels of theories and, and controversy about how much the Catholic Church borrowed from it, or were they trying to redeem it by coming up with All Saints Day? That's a more of a debated question. Um, if any of my Orthodox friends are watching, write in the chat box. I don't know, especially if my friend Jennifer's watching. I forgot to look this up before the show. Is what does the church in the East do? Do they have All Saints Day on November 1st? I forgot to look that up. So if anyone who's Orthodox or wants to look that up for us real quick, that would be awesome. I forgot to I forgot to do that before the show. Um, so anyways, there's all of that. But given all of the history of what is clearly, you know, kind of a pagan holiday in its historical origins, um, and may or may not have been redeemed or attempted to be redeemed by the Catholic Church, the the point that my friend Ken Samples makes in his art in his article is that to not celebrate Halloween based on that is really just a form of the genetic fallacy that, well, because something has occultic origins, we shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's kind of his argument. And for a long time, I kind of bought into that argument. And as a mom with young kids, um, I always let, we always let our kids go trick-or-treating. We always let them dress up. And we live in a gated community, so we would just let them go around in in our gated community. We didn't go out outside mm-hmm. be, beyond our community where we didn't know people. And then we'd usually go to a church event and get more candy because mm-hmm. more is better. Yeah. And, and it was the one night of the year where I would tell the kids, like, they could eat as much candy as they wanted um, without any restriction, as long as they didn't complain. Mm-hmm. And... So they would usually eat a lot of candy, but then I didn't have to police it. And then usually they'd eat it for two or three days and then they'd forget about it. And my husband would sort of put it away. And then around December, we would throw it out because they had forgotten about it. If I ever snuck one little tiny piece, they instantly knew (laughs) one thing was missing. (laughs) Candy police. So, uh, now, we didn't allow the kids to, um, uh, we always had the kids uh, create their own costumes. We didn't buy costumes, so we didn't invest in elaborate costumes. But we did let them make their own fun costumes. Uh, Emily did Halloween all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. She went trick-or-treating. Um, but we never let the kids do have any costumes inspired by demons or witchcraft they were never a devil or a ghost or a witch or anything like that. So they were, uh, one year, Emily dressed up as a paleontologist. And then we made Abby into a uh, dinosaur. <laughs> I was going to say a rock, but, you know. Uh, and then, uh, when you, I think Abby was Spider-Man for four years. Mm-hmm. We just kept getting, having her create bigger costumes. They're <laughs> going to Goodwill. Uh and uh, I think Emily's senior year, she was a soccer player, her favorite soccer player. So th- those were kind of the the costumes that hmm. we that we did. Um, but as, I've sort of changed my mind about this. Okay. And um, how so? Yeah. And yes, I do change my mind. Okay. From time to time about things. My mother always says, "You're so opinionated." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." But I do change my mind sometimes. People persuade me. So, so what is your what is your current like what? what so you were okay with it. Yeah. And then you changed in your moderation. mind to. Yeah. Yeah. 
So one thing I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, is it is, is it just my imagination or are Halloween images and decorations like so much more violent and demonic now? Or am I just more sensitive to it? I don't know. I think it just seems I, so much more violent than when I was a kid. See, and I don't know, maybe it was because we weren't churched as like small kids. And but I just, just I ages, felt I like, know. yeah, I just felt like every like Halloween, it was bats and ghosts and dead people and bones really? and some kind of scary movie that was out or it was always just very dark. Huh, that's interesting. I wonder what some of our viewers that are my age have, have noticed because to me, uh, I, uh, I just feel like it's so much more violent now. The images are so much more demonic uh, than it was 30, 40 years ago when I was a kid. But, but maybe I'm just imagining that. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, that was just sort of one observation that I've made. I'm just looking at the comments here. You might be more sensitive, but in my neighborhood, one of our neighbors hangs fake rotting heads from oh. the trees. Yeah, see, I kind of feel like that's what what was there. Like even back the then, blood, when you were a kid. yeah, the blood. Really? The there was um, what was that guy who would like wear the mask and he had like eighteen movies or whatever. I never saw and, horror movies. Yeah, yeah right. no, Freddy. I, I don't. No, no, it wasn't Freddy. Jason. Maybe Jason. I never have seen um those movies either, just because I couldn't. Like I, I was always too afraid, but um. S. Brooks says, I think the graphics are better now. Um, yes, I can I can agree with that. But I think that the things, the violence and yeah, like people just being hacked and ugh, it's horrible. Yeah. To me, it was it's always been there. But yeah, I don't know. But it, but it seems like there's more scarier uh, haunted house uh, experiences. Like every amusement park in Southern California has a haunted experience that you can go to. Mm -hmm. Uh and you know, not scary farm. Universal, Universal has, has, one. has one. Magic Mountain has one. Disneyland uh, just—I think they only have the. But they, I mean, they've had the Halloween house Halloween Town. Can, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they kind of do some some light Halloween decorations at Disneyland. But um, I don't know. I think that one thing that I've learned um, working in the realm of deliverance is that I've come to an appreciation of is the power of images i don't think i had given much contemplation to the power of images before i went into deliverance ministry and that there's a lot and it's probably just because i'm not very artistically inclined so it wasn't on my radar but there's a a lot of i think borrowing of images from the demonic realm especially in halloween and how we decorate and i i it makes me wonder you know, what the impact of that is in, in the spirit realm and what that potentially invites. Um, because there's a concept, um, and if people watch my, my video series on cursed objects, it's, to me, this is kind of a similar conversation. There's kind of two views about, about this. It's it, one group of Christians says, well, this is what it means to me. If it's harmless to me, if Halloween is just all in good fun, then that's what it means. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other side of the coin, which is demons don't care what it means to you. 
they just see it as you are participating and they see it as a permission for harassment. And those are kind of the two views. And I tended to always see things as, well, this is what it means to me. If it's harmless to me, then that's what it means. And I've kind of shifted my opinion to being, no, there's some things that we do, even if we think they're harmless, demons see them as a permission. And when we hang up scary images or we wear scary demonic images on our bodies, the question I have is, is that seen as a permission by demons to harass us? And I think it very well could be. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious I, as to what your thoughts are. I'm going back. We were discussing this earlier today. And um, I think that, well, one, my mom never let us go trick-or-treating. Like, it was just not the thing. But we also lived in the hood. And she was like, no. So that was a big no. Um and I mean, all my friends went trick or treating and I never thought anything about it. And they would bring candy to school and thankfully they would share. So, you know, there was that. But growing up later and learning like about the origins of it. And I guess I started going to church when I was about 15 and in church, I think early on. And even though I think some of the views of members in the church and the church itself eventually changed. um in the beginning, it was like, no, we don't do this. We might have a harvesting, but Halloween is participating in the devil's activities or demonic activities. And so our conversation, which is kind of where my mind still is, is, okay, so it's kind of like, like I said, going to a party. So I can go to the party, but I may not necessarily eat the cake and ice cream. So it's like, if I, but I still went to the party. So participating in Halloween, even if I don't decorate with blood or wear a devil, wear costume. A devil, devil costume, I'm still participating in something that is demonic. Even if- You're Still going I'm, to the party. I'm still going to the party. Even if I'm not eating the cake and ice cream, I'm still participating in something that's demonic. Even if I'm not using blood and- ghouls and goblins and all those things. And so at that point, I wonder as Christians, do we say, no, we don't do this and, you know, supplement it in? Or is that something where it's like, well, hey, at least you didn't eat the cake and ice cream, but it's okay that you went to the party. Yeah. I don't, I I personally have my own beliefs and, and opinions on that, but I don't know, like biblically, I don't I I feel like well, the the closest thing would be like flee the appearance of evil but I don't even know if that like <laughs> fits in with this you know I'm not well, sure Well there is there are let me say this um as a deliverance minister it's also come to my attention that that Halloween or October 31st is actually a very important holiday in the satanic calendar that mm-hmm. that so there is it's not like I used to have a perception that Christians who got uptight about this they were just being over-legalistic killjoys. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten into the realm of deliverance more, I it's like, okay, there were some facts I didn't have. And one of those facts is that Halloween is actually a holiday for Satanists. And so um, I think that there is some legitimate reason for concern. And your analogy about the party is not far-fetched because... It is a holiday, and we are kind of going to a party, if mm-hmm. you will. Now, 
scripturally in the Old Testament, God lays out holidays that he wants his people to participate in. Mm -hmm. So God's not against holidays. Um, There's many holidays in, in the Jewish calendar. And they even added holidays later. Hanukkah was not originally part of the Jewish calendar, but there's biblical evidence that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. So they're not against like new holidays. God's Mm -hmm. not against that. Um, And there is, I think it's in the book of Colossians that says like, don't let people look down on you on what days you celebrate, you know, and that sort of thing. But I think that there is also a biblical argument to be made about being separate Mm -hmm. and being distinct and being children of the light and, and that children of the light don't have anything to do with darkness. And so I think that Christians are increasingly in a cultural moment where we just kind of took it for granted that whatever was in sort of the Western stream of culture, we were going to sort of go along with as Christians. Mm -hmm. And now we're having this, this moment of, Hey, I need to step back here and really look at what am I participating in? What's happening here? And why am I doing it? And do I need to maybe operate differently um, from a distinctly Christian point of view? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, all things, all roads lead back to Africa for me. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about my time in South Africa and how distinct a lot of the Christians are. Most of the Christians, I would say, um, that I encountered, it was like, no, we don't do this because we're Christian. And yeah, that went for Halloween, but there were many other things too. No, we don't do this thing. It's a hard line in the sand and kids might be kicking and screaming, but the parents are bringing them back to this idea of, no, we don't do this because of this, because this is what that stands for. This is what this also means. This is where this originated in. And yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, there's a hard line. And I will say this, this is another thing I've learned as a result of being in deliverance ministry. You and I and others that we know um, have remarked about how much more spiritual activity there is in the month of October. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot of activity happening in the spirit realm. And I think that was something I was not tuned into so much until about five years ago. Um, I never thought about like, oh, I wonder what's happening in the spirit realm. Um, but people like you are out there, people like, um, my friends, I have other friends who are very sensitive to the things that are happening in the spirit realm and they see things happening in the spirit Mm -hmm. realm and they're like, wow, there's just so much that's happening in October. And it just seems like there's elevated amounts of activity. And so we need to appreciate that. And last year in October, you and I, like every time we would go to Walmart, like there was something Ooh. about the Walmart, Walmart in our home city Walmart that, that yes, has so much know. spirit activity. Every time we would go there, we'd be getting headaches and body pains and anxiety attacks. We're like, we got to get out of here. And then the minute we would leave the store and get in our car and start driving away, like, oh, headache's gone. Anxiety's gone. I mean, there was just so much activity in the Walmart, but especially in October. And one time we were walking down one of the aisles and you said, nope, not going down there. And there was some demonic things happening on one of the displays that you could see. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, we're not 
we're not going to go down there. So, so then I have I have another question and I'm probably taking this way off way off track but um as a parent what do like what do parents say to their kids cuz I've heard it from like my friends regarding, you know, to their kids, but what would your view to parents be? about you know do i let my kid trick-or-treat yeah. do i let them dress up they have the little walkabout at school where everybody's yeah. going to have on their favorite little you know characters and my kid's going to be the one kid who's standing that was me <laughs> okay so, that was me my mom was one letting me dress up and when she did let me dress up i think it was like once maybe in my life maybe twice but um were you scarred for life because you didn't dress up i was an inmate I was, I, when I did dress up, I was an inmate. I don't know what the heck. Why Your mother, when you dressed up like an inmate for Halloween? Inmate. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was, you Ugh. know, people. I don't really know, but yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like, it, do you, it, no, I'm how serious, do we you? address, the, I guess my question is, how do you address the issues of, you know, like, I want my kid to be participatory. I don't want him to feel left out. Right. And at the same time, I'm raising a distinctly Christian human um, with a worldview that is different than the worldview from the others in yeah. the class. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's similar to question and rhyme his songs has um, on the, the chat is we do trunk or treat and volunteer at our church as an alternative. So kids need fun at church. I guess we need to talk about evil versus good, clean, fun. I think that's a, it's a fair point. Um, I, I'm, I, I just, I'm so leery of saying we can't have any fun. And, and here's why I, 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 you and I were kind of wrestling through this when we were doing the kind of pre-show conversation mm -hmm. this morning is I actually think that it's important to occasionally spoil children, like what we call spoil children, to let them have an egregious amount of candy on one night or um, to just treat them like royalty. I, I think that's actually a biblical idea. And here's why. Because the father is so lavish in his love for us. He's so lavish in his provision for us. I think that sometimes when we, quote unquote, what we call in our culture, spoil our children, it's a, it's creates like a word picture of the father's love for us. And I don't, I, I don't think we want to create a picture of parenthood where there's no fun, there's no parties, there's no moments of indulgence. Um, and so I actually think that, that there's something good about that. And, and so like Emily, our other daughter, uh, came home from college this weekend. She brought four of her friends and we just tried to spoil them with food and, and fun and, and, and just all kinds of attention. Why? And, and it's just simply because I, I truly believe that sometimes everyone should be spoiled because that's how the father thinks of us. So I, I don't want to siphon off all fun. And I don't think I'm saying siphon off fun. Yeah. What my question is, is do we have fun, but not, no, let me think about it. <laughs> the question isn't, do we have fun or not? Yeah. 
but are there parameters on the fun that we will allow? Yeah. So I, y'all can have all the fun you want. You want to have a slumber party. Y'all want to do this. You want to do that. You want to stay up and eat candy. That's great. We will not do it do in this. the context of Halloween. Yeah. That's what my question is. Like, I'm all for kids having fun for sure. Yeah. And I'm just trying to lay the foundation for you know, I actually think fun is important. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. It's like, the question is, is, how do we work that out? Yeah. And I think that if a church wants to have like a, you know, a fun event, you know, that's not Halloween related, you know, I think that that might be a good alternative. I'd, I'd have to think about that. But I think that the, if we're going to do it in a distinctly Christian way, um, I think that instead of, talking about demons and ghosts and spirits and that sort of thing, having a conversation with our kids about the saints Mm. might be a good alternative is maybe that could be a time of year where we talk about the great heroes of our faith Mm. with our kids and that we try to invent. It would be great if churches would start to invent, invent distinctly Christian ways of celebrating so when we see people celebrating the dead, we're saying, okay, um, let's talk about the great heroes of our faith. Let's talk about the saints. Um, let's talk about people like St. Augustine or Ignatius or Athanasius, people that were great defenders of our faith and that we stand on the shoulders of giants today because of the work that 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 they did in preserving the faith through persecution, looking at modern saints like C.S. Lewis, like Corey Ten Boone, um, like Brother Andrew, people who really put their lives on the line for their faith. I think that could be a wonderful, distinctly Christian alternative. Um, I would love to see more education in the church, and that could be a way of doing it. But I think that what we have to be careful of is just taking something away and then not filling it with something else. Completely agree. And, and it, it, it doesn't help just to take away all fun. And mm-hmm. we're going to be so separate from the world that we're mm-hmm. not going to have fun and we're not going to celebrate anything. And the holidays themselves are evil mm-hmm. unless they're in the Bible. Yes. I, I, I'm not advocating that mm-hmm. position. That's a good so. word. Come on now. <laughs> if I had a fan, girl. Yes. No, I love that idea. I think um, more education about the saints and about the pillars of our faith, um, it would be awesome. Yeah. You know, and just offering something that is different instead of feeling like, okay, my kids can't do this. So now I have to take away, you know, whatever they do have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that be- they look forward to something as an alternative. Oh, we do this. Yes. In our family. Yeah. And it's so cool. And y'all just got your little ditzy walk around school costume yeah. situation. And yeah. I'm not saying it's ditzy, but, um, so, you know, like something that is, that would be truly like memorable yeah. and fun. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I like so, that. So I guess one more point is that if people go on YouTube, you know, and you look at these videos of ex-Satanists who have become Christians, they'll be the first to tell you that Christians should have nothing to do with Halloween. Mm-hmm. To me, that that speaks something, you know, that that's another important piece of data for us to consider. So 
to me, the, the issue of permissions is a big one, is, you know, how do demons see it? And I, I do think it's quite plausible that demons see our participation with Halloween as a permission yeah. to harass us and to harass our children. And demons are fairly legalistic. They will take advantage of any opening possible. I hear so. you. <laughs> it made me think of a story. I'm going to share a little story. Okay. But when I was about 15, there was a party I wanted to go to, and I said I could not go to this party. But I went anyway. <laughs> but I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't. I mean, it, I was another kind of person back in the day, y'all. <laughs> but um, so I went to this party anyway. Is this and, a PG-13 story? Yes, it okay. is. But anyway, when my, when my mom found out that I went to this party, I still got in trouble. But my, my um, I guess my defense was like, but mom, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Everybody else was doing all those things. She was like, that doesn't matter. You still participated. You went. And this is the punishment for going. And so I just wonder if there is some kind of, I don't know, like a permission or something that is demonically attracted to us when we choose to participate in certain activities. And yeah, maybe it's something like different degrees. Like, well, I didn't have the the punch in the, you know, the cake. And so I'm not impacted on this level, but I did step into the room. And yeah. so that stench of smoke still kind of is on me. I definitely you know? wouldn't let my kid go to like one of those haunted houses or yeah. haunted experiences i definitely wouldn't do that uh we've always had a strong rule in our family of no horror movies mm -hmm. um and the image because the images yeah. that are associated with them if they go over to a friend's house we we're generally tell the parents no horror movies mm -hmm. um so sometimes you got to be brave as a parent and ask some some uncomfortable and hard questions but i love so. the fact that even in being brave like let's remember that life still is fun and that the father does lavish um his his fun on us too oh rhyme his songs uh thought we were gonna say we should just have an all-night prayer meeting without fun Ooh, the devil is a lie mm -mm. heroes of the faith and game night night sounds way better i agree yes <laughs> they're they're i am for fun people yes i think we all should have a little fun comment on facebook too oh, okay a comment on Facebook, so we're gonna try Let's to see. fish it out. Vera says the eyebrow chatter was hilarious, girl. The struggle is the real. struggle. I have to go to the the shop with her and and um, uh, watch the eyebrow situation every other Keisha week. Keisha Lewis says, as we became aware of the pagan origins of various holidays, we started researching the biblical holidays because we know God wants us to experience joy in him. See, this is what I'm trying to say. See, well, there you go. Yes. There you go. Sharon, y'all. Yes. Um, Keisha, welcome. Purim is a holiday. Purim, I'm... Uh, Purim, yeah. Thank you. It's, it's from a the holiday book of Esther, yeah. Where kids dress up. It's not necessarily biblical, like commanded by God, but it commemorates the book of Esther. Kids dress up in the spring and have a good time. See, I, I, I yes. think both of those comments uh, are just fantastic because, um, again... You know, Purim was not in the original Mosaic law, but this shows to me God's not against holidays and he's not against more holidays. Celebrating, memorializing is a very deeply biblical idea mm -hmm. and part of the Christian worldview. So I love both of those. And I, I think 
dressing up in costumes is kind of fun. Well, you know, <laughs> there it is. Um, okay. All right. Let's keep going. All right. Um, Jen Hetman, the Evolving Faith Conference. Now, yeah. this Evolving Faith Conference is the same conference that I put up last week. Yeah. A graphic that said they had a room for the people of color. Yes. And I said, where are we? <laughs> where are we, folks? No, 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 no. And it was a room for people to be people of color like myself to be able to breathe and um, experience a decolonized area. It was an escape from room. Pe- no, not escaping from white we, people. It was a, an escape the white people room, I guess. I don't know. I was like, is Uncle Jim in the room? Uncle Jim Crow? Because we Stop do not it. do that. That is not okay. <laughs> it, I did say that. It is not okay. Like, I'm going to just be bold and say it is not okay to have separate rooms. Like, that is not biblical and it is not unifying. Yeah. That's my rant. Sorry, people. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about yes. the Evolving Faith Conference. Um, again, that was last weekend. So Jen Hatmaker had a long post uh, a few days ago, sort of as a summary. She did one of the main sessions. And I think I have a screen cap of, of that. So it was quite a lengthy post. I won't go into all of it. Uh, there's a really good response, though, to it by Sean McDowell. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes where he kind of... Um, looks at some of her, her main ideas, but I don't uh, have time to go into all of that. Oh, thank you. Um, but I do want to refer people to Sean McDowell's post. Now, Jen Hatmaker, I should probably give a little context here. She uh, used to be on the Women of Faith tour, and she's an author. She's written uh, several books. Uh, she and her husband had a uh, home renovation show on HGTV for a couple of seasons. Uh, They have, I think, five or six kids. A few of them are adopted. Uh, They're really, like, uh, they they would, I would say, were very much um, leaders in Christian evangelicalism. But in recent years, uh, Jen has, has really shifted into more of the progressive, evangelical stream and she came out a couple of years ago in favor of gay marriage and then almost overnight uh christian bookstores stopped selling her small group studies Mm. and um stopped platforming her her tour was canceled Mm. um so there was a there was a lot of impact from from that revelation that she was coming out for gay marriage but in the evolving faith conference i think i said this last week on the show is a is a conference for Christians who are going through a process called deconstruction of their faith. And they, they're they really kind of um, breaking their faith all the way down to like what's the most essential property. Some of them then rebuild their faith or reconstruct their faith and stay Christians. Others leave the faith entirely. And so uh, they often platform and share platforms with people who advocate for critical race theory. Um, so these are sort of sister movements. They're separate movements, but they often are co-platformed together. So also at the Evolving Faith Conference was Lisa Sharon Harper, who's mm-hmm. a, a black critical race theory yeah. advocate. So just to sort of set the context, but there's one statement that Jen Hatmaker made that I just want to comment on really quickly because I see it all the time mm-hmm. on Twitter. And so if we could get that, the, I think the next graphic, the shorter, there it is. She says um, that 
the good news is, of course, how it's manifested and recorded virtually from beginning to end by oppressed people, for oppressed people, about oppressed people, and their God. And I hear this all the time, that the Bible is a book for, instead of the word oppressed, they might use the marginalized. Mm -hmm. It was written by the marginalized, for for the the marginalized. marginalized. And I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I think that this is a deeply problematic position, but it's repeated everywhere. And so I want to make a little um, course correction for us. Please do, because this, this statement leaves me with many questions. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I first looked up the word marginalized, because that's usually the word that's, that's used on, on Twitter a lot. And um, I looked it up in, like, in Webster's mm-hmm. um, before the show. And it says to relegate to an unimportant and powerless position. Yeah. And so the idea that's being expressed here is that the authors of scripture were marginalized or oppressed people. I don't agree with that because there were many authors of scripture who were part of the ruling class. King David Mm -hmm. wrote an awful lot of Psalms. He was a king. On one of the at, ruling at a time when Israel was at its near its zenith, near its golden age, his son Solomon also wrote a lot of scripture, and he was the golden age. That was the height of their power, and he wrote a lot of scripture. These were not oppressed people; they they were not oppressed. Mm-hmm. They were kings. They were at at in positions of power, and yet they were writing scripture. Now, if we were to make the case that maybe Peter, who stands behind the gospel of Mark, or John, both of them were fishermen, and they weren't rabbis, so they weren't educated, they weren't royalty, they weren't priests, so maybe I could make the case that they were middle class, but even then, I wouldn't call them marginalized or oppressed they were sort of middle-class jews of the time um now when when we get to people like the the woman with the issue of blood now that's a marginalized person that's a person that's at the the edge of society she's considered unclean Mm -hmm. unable to go to the temple to worship um unable to do many of the the unable to get ritually clean and pure. Yeah. Okay. I can see that argument, but she wasn't writing scripture, but she's certainly an example of somebody that wouldn't quote unquote be in a powerless position. When I read a story like um, Ruth, she was somebody that was not in a powerful position. She was from another country. She was a Moabite. She had married a Jewish man. She was a widow she was in a very culturally and socially vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can maybe see that those are examples of people on the, the edges of society who are not in culturally influential positions. But the authors of scripture themselves many times were people of education and stature and, 
and even power. The Apostle Paul was trained as a rabbi. Moses was trained as to be Pharaoh's son in the mm-hmm. Egyptian school system. Um, Luke was a doctor. Yeah. Uh, so I don't buy the that there's a strong case for saying that the Bible was written by oppressed or marginalized people. Now, maybe you could say, well, they were Jews living in the Roman Empire. That was going to be the question. But even so, they still had rights and their own laws and their own king. And they weren't so put aside as to be what I would call marginalized. I wouldn't characterize them that way. Um, Now, when they were overrun by the Assyrians and deported against their will and forced to intermarry, okay, but we have to be very careful of importing definitions from the 21st century onto scripture. That's foreign. That's what we call in philosophy anachronistic. Mm -hmm. It would be like saying, I'm watching a cowboy movie, and then all of a sudden a Cadillac drives by. That's an anachronism. It it doesn't fit. Yeah. If I'm watching a cowboy movie, I know that there's no Cadillacs, right? So we have to be very careful of taking categories, ideas, and terms, and then laying them on top of scripture and using them as an interpretive grid. And this is this, but this is, I see this repeated all the time by Christians. And that it's, it's, and I want to take issue with the statement. If we can go back to the hat maker quote, I took issue with the, the, the statement that's written by oppressed people. Now I want to say it's for oppressed people. Well, sure. It's for oppressed people, marginalized people, rich people, poor people, people of power, people of influence, people of no influence, people who um, have grown up in the church and people who have grown up as atheists. It's for all the people. Mm-hmm. But it's not a message simply for oppressed or marginalized people. That was my question. People. I was wondering, like, were they saying that it was only for oppressed people? It It's almost like there's this. I'm just checking the, the uh, comments here. Okay. It, now, if we wanted to say that the Bible is inclusive of oppressed and marginalized people, I could get behind that. You know, that it's for everyone. So we don't want to leave out the poor people. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. But that doesn't seem to be what they're saying. It seems to be what they're saying is that I can't even properly understand the Bible if I don't have what my society, my current culture calls marginalized people as part of the conversation, as part of the interpretation team. And so here we get into the whole critical theory idea of it doesn't really matter so much what's being said as much as it matters is who's saying it. Truth comes from the who, not from the what. Mm -hmm. And so historically, truth is something that is objective. It's something that stands outside of ourselves, our culture. There's something transcendent about truth that exists in the mind of God. It's not so, so it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated, uneducated, 
male or female, we can all reflect the truth. We can all think God's thoughts after him when we reflect the mind of God. So poor people are part of that set, but so are a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, but the, the mantra seems to be now that, well, unless you have a marginalized person, and again, not marginalized according to the biblical definition, marginalized according to 21st century American definitions, unless I have those people a part of the conversation, I can't arrive at truth or my understanding of truth is incomplete. That is a highly, as a thought, is a result of postmodernism and critical theory is not historically been part of the Christian faith. Yeah. What I took away from the, the post was that perhaps what was written wasn't necessarily for people of influence or affluence, not just yes. necessarily influence, yeah. but um, like the affluent couldn't understand. It was not, it, it's not um, written by people of affluence and, their God, the God that is being talked about is not the God of the people of affluence or influence when you're talking about marginalization. And I, so I wonder what God then they are, are they referring to? Yeah. Because it, it feels like a very different God if, if the book is written or the Bible is written by the marginalized, for the marginalized, about the marginalized and their God. It, is there two gods? Are there two gods? I, I'm not sure um, what they're trying to say. I feel like the quote is a lot of critical race theory, extremely poorly worded and unclear as to exactly what they mean, especially around the the idea of their God. Yeah. Because to me, that leaves out many different people, people in general, um, because it feels like the God that they are referring to is the God of the oppressed people. And so people who are not considered marginalized or oppressed must have a different God. Well, and it's like this, this idea from critical theory that if you're white, able-bodied and male, you can't arrive at the truth. Hmm. In order to really arrive at the truth, you have to have people in the mix who are not those things, you know, they're female, they're disabled, they're people of color, they're people who are poor. Cause the assumption is that all white, white people are, I guess, are affluent and privileged. So it's just a it, it embedded in this comment. I just want us to be careful. Like when you hear things being repeated over and over again, to stop and look and listen and think, is this really what the Bible says? And I would say, no, the Bible message is inclusive. Mm -hmm. It is, it isn't, we've said this before on the show. It is an invitation that goes out to everyone, but only a few will accept the invitation. It is an invitation that goes out to rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female. All, it goes out to everyone. everyone. The prisoner and the free person, the affluent, the, yeah, and the, the poor, yeah. the slave, the free, and the boss. Yeah. It goes mm -hmm. out to everybody, mm -hmm. and then we're all equal at the cross, but only some accept the invitation. the The gospel of progressive Christianity is that that you don't even necessarily need to have a particular belief. It's just you are included in God's kingdom 
just come as you are and that's that's it and at that slight shift in things makes all the difference and so i would say no the the bible is not a book written by oppressed people for oppressed people it is it is a book written by a variety of authors from a variety of backgrounds living in a variety of historical situations and it's written to all people everywhere in all times and all places mm-hmm. so all right all right well let's check the comments here see if anyone has Cecilia Santini on Facebook says, you guys are too funny. Perfectly balanced. Y'all come over soon. I said, where are we going? You let me know. Okay. We, we come to you. I got a suitcase upstairs. You let me know. <laughs> you let me know. Um, oh, thanks for that one. And what's happening in our world of YouTube? Woo! Kimba said, amen, Krista. Um, let's see. I've been watching sessions of the One Race, One Blood conference that Answers in Genesis is putting, oh, that Answers in Genesis is putting on. Has anyone seen this? And how do you feel about the content? I am not familiar with that, but I think you probably are. Could be, maybe. You know, I haven't watched any of those sessions, but in general, there are teachings on race, at least from the theological, I haven't looked at it culturally or the application of it, but they're basically making the argument that all humans come from Adam and Eve. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that, mm-hmm. that all races are yes. come from a first pair. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't fundamentally disagree with that. But I haven't checked out the sessions or the particulars of, of anything like that. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Fun with oppressed people. Now, ooh, here was something. All right. Now, this, this is something. Let's look into the future a little bit. Okay. So, and I didn't hear this. You were the one who were like, oh, my goodness, girl. (laughs) The British High Court has now ruled that the Christian worldview is directly incompatible with the view of human dignity. Yeah. Uh, When I first saw the headline, I was like, okay, there has to be more to the story to this, you know, because this doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just go back to the to the charter for the. the UN and you read like kind of the purpose statement um, of, of the foundation of human rights. I mean, it's just so clear to me that it's founded on Genesis one yeah. that, that humans have value, dignity and worth. And as such, this is where we get ideas about valuing men and women equally and allowing for religious expression and all this sort of thing. But now we're living in a cultural moment where this is going to become a harder conversation, a more complicated conversation. So what happened is that there was a British doctor who took, um, who went to court because uh, this guy's name, if you want to look him up, is David McCarrath. And he worked as a disability assessor for the UK's Department of Work and Pensions. And he was fired last year after being questioned by an employment agency official about how he would handle clients who asked to be referred to as members of the opposite sex. So this whole question of pronouns. Mm -hmm. And so the person was biologically a male. 
but they wanted the doctor to refer to them as, as, a, as a female. Yeah. And so this government worker comes to the doctor and asks him, you know, what he would do in this situation. And he ends up getting fired from his job because he says, I, I couldn't go along with that. My faith would mm-hmm. not allow me to, to do that. And so I have a screen cap. I went and found the court document, the court declaration. Mm-hmm. So we'd have like the exact words here. So this is a passage from that of their conclusions. Uh, Dr. McCarrath believes that he is a Christian and his religion is a relevant, protected characteristic. And so in other words, he's a protected class. He, yeah. he should be able to disagree according to his conscience. He further, belie- he further relies cumulatively or alternatively on the following religious and or philosophical beliefs. His belief in the truth of the Bible, and in particular Genesis 1.27, that God has created humans in his own image, male and female. He follows, it follows that every person is created by God, either as male or female. A person cannot change their sex or gender at will, and any attempt at or pretense of doing so is pointless, self-destructive, and sinful. Um, and so you can read there, uh, and he, under letter C, he, he has a belief that it would be irresponsible and dishonest for a health professional to accommodate or encourage a, pa- a patient's imp- what he calls impersonation of the opposite sex. Um, and so they, he's wanting basically an exemption based on his faith mm-hmm. uh, to, to the, the laws here of trying to uh, be forced into using these, these pronouns. So he ultimately gets fired. The court, didn't go his way. Yeah. It didn't find in favor of him. And in fact, it ruled that these scriptures, if you look at the very bottom of the screen, there is incompatible with human dignity and conflicts with the fundamental rights of others. And this is where we find ourselves now. Um, And then this happens last night or the day before we have this video clip. Of one of the, yeah, the presidential candidates. This is from your LGBTQ plan, and here's what you write. This is a quote. Freedom of religion is a fundamental right, but it should not be used to discriminate. Do you think religious institutions uh, like colleges, churches, charities, should they lose their tax-exempt status if they oppose same-sex marriage? Yes. There can be no reward, no benefit, no tax break for anyone or any institution, any organization in America that denies the full human rights and the full civil rights of every single one of us. And so as president, we're going to make that a priority, and we are going to stop those who are infringing upon the human rights of our fellow Americans. Congressman, thank you. This is from your LGBT. Okay. Wow. So that was one of the Democratic presidential candidates. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like what we have here is a kind of shifting of the goalposts. You know, 10 years ago, the mantra was, we just want our marriages to be recognized as equal. Mm-hmm. Now we're living in an age where Christians aren't just making an allowance for this legally. 
Now we must accept it. Yes. We must accept the orthodoxy of the culture that same-sex um, relationships are normal. Or be punished. Or be punished. Mm-hmm. So here here we are. It's it's coming to America, I think, at, at some point. Yes, and I think that not only will that come, but even more so. You know, um, I think that the... I don't know if you want to call it a attack or whatever, however you want to call it, but the the Christian worldview will definitely be challenged. And I do believe that, you know, punishment will come if you do not um, ascribe to the the cultural climate. Um, I think we see that right now in like in, the, in this clip and other things that are being posed in social media as to how people must tolerate or things that are being posed um, under the umbrella of tolerance. Tolerance not just does not just mean like um, like I will tolerate this or, or we can agree to disagree and be civil. It means like a full on acceptance. If, if you, you don't agree, if you with don't me. agree and accept and support, you are not tolerant. Thus, you are now a bigot. Now and, you are and, marginalized. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. The there's definitely a, a a fight and a war that is, you know, that's coming. Um, I think it, in my view anyway. Yeah, I, I think that when I look down the road, I think that probably what's going to happen is that there's going to be this um, divergence of Christianity. You're going to have one stream of Christianity that's going to go more in the evolving faith, progressive, evangelical, mm-hmm. gay affirming stream. Mm-hmm. And those people will be safe. Yeah. And then you're going to have the Christians who are going to say, no, um, the definition of marriage according to scripture is one man and one woman. And we're going to take that path. And I think that what's going to happen is that those people who affirm that position are going to become the marginalized. They're going to become the second class citizens they will be barred from certain um, educational institutions. They will not be able to be full participators in the government. They will not be fully funded. Um, they're going to lose their tax exempt status. And then we're going to find out kind of what it really means to live a historically Christian faith. Yeah. We're going to find out because we're going to, we're going to start standing out the more that, that we stand for what Christians have historically always believed, um, the more we're going to start separating from our culture. Halloween is going to be the least of our concerns. Yes, um, It is going to be about having our churches be revoked of their tax-exempt status, our pastors losing tax benefits, even though many of them are grossly underpaid. Um, it's going to mean um, many charities like that that clothe the homeless, that feed the homeless, that take care of um, drug rehab centers. Uh, they 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 do a lot of good in re- giving people a second chance mm-hmm. at their life. Uh, those places will be defunded, and I think that uh, Christians are going to have to be settled on two points moving forward. No matter what the laws are that are coming. I think Christians are going to have to settle in their hearts and in their minds that they're going to stand for the biblical definition of marriage and that they're going to fund the kingdom of God moving forward 
even if there's no tax benefit yeah. to it. Because Jesus commanded that way before the American government came up with a tax-exempt status idea. We're going to have to be committed to those two ideals. Um, and I, th- I think that those are two things that are going to end up being markers of how you know who's identifying as a historic Christian and who's not. That That's my theory of, of the future. That so. is, yeah, that's heavy. Um, it's kind of, oh, sorry. Angie Hamilton said it's coming and we need to prepare ourselves to stand firm. I asked the question, I said, do you guys think anything like what happened to this doctor could or would happen here in the States? Kimba said, absolutely, Monique. I think it will happen and more if we don't wake up. Kimba also says, I agree, Krista, and it's coming fast. Yeah. yeah, it is. And again, like, I personally think that it is more, even more reason why Christians need to wake up, why we need to understand that we are tied to a faith that's ancient, that goes back before, you know, the pro- more progressive movement that goes back before the John. The founding like, of yeah, America. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, um, there are just, there were, you know, historic precedents in which we stood upon or stand upon. And um, we need to be fighting for that. And in that, not, you know, hating people who disagree with us, sure. but firm in our commitment to Christ and, and what that calls us to. And we don't hate gay people. We no. don't hate people who struggle with um, gender issues. I think that we just think that the solution to that is different than what progressives put forth as the solution. Mm -hmm. We think the solution to those struggles is the transforming work of the Holy Spirit and that all of us have struggles. All of us have had things that we've had to struggle through and and, um, that that ultimately those answers are in Jesus. And that that isn't to say they, they aren't hard. It's not a hard journey. It's a quick journey. It's not. It's sometimes a very long journey. And, um, but we want to stand firm that the power of the cross and forgiveness and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit is ultimately what's needed. Yeah. And our, we're just, all we're arguing is that the solution is, is different or the answer to the issue of same-sex attraction, the answer to that is not to be affirming of it and to embrace it and walk into it. We think the answer to that is Jesus as the great change agent of all of us. And you and I can say, be first in line for the things that we have struggled with, the things that we have had difficulty with Mm -hmm. in our lives. We're not perfect. We've struggled with sins there were times in our lives before we knew Jesus where we did things that were wrong. There's times in our lives after we knew Jesus. Ooh, yes. <laughs> we didn't live as holy people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's check out our... Okay, I think we're good here. Wendy Whalen, I believe, says, question for Krista, should Johnny Cash be added to the heroes of the faithless? Oh, girl... Why are you opening up a can of worms now, people? Here we go. Oh, and she also says, 
recommendation instead of watching horror films, try Theology Mom series on Cult Scary. Yes. Okay, so anyway, should Johnny Cash be added to the Heroes of the Faith list? Absolutely. I think Johnny Cash was the greatest artist of the 20th century. I'm getting that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. He was the, there's a great YouTube clip of me talking about Johnny Cash. I'll put it in the show notes for everyone. Uh, and I think that he has this, the perfect mix to me of uh, sin and redemption of talking in his music about his struggle with sin and the, the, the real struggle that we have as children of Adam and the redemption that we have in Christ. And I love it that he took his concerts into prisons and bringing, he always did gospel songs. He always shared his testimony in prisons. He was the one person I can think of who could go into a prison and sing a rock and roll song and then go on the Billy Graham stage and give his testimony and sing a gospel song. He's, he's the only person, at least I think he's still the only person. I could be wrong about this. He's in both the rock and roll hall of fame and the country music hall of fame and the folk music hall of fame. But I digress. Johnny Cash. Yes. I'll take any, I'll be fielding all questions about Johnny Cash at any time. Yeah. Those go to the front of the line. Nope, nope, no. <laughs> no, I feel like we should have somebody from hip hop, but you know, that's okay. All right. None, well, of, none of my people would make anybody's list. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I am still a work in progress. Okay. All right. It is time to do the tweet of the week. We just chilling tonight, boy. I, I feel like we just, we, thanks Rolling. for being with us, y'all. Oh. oh, there he is. There it is. I don't know why it's not playing, but there we go. There he is. Tweet of the week. I forget what his name is. I, um, Abby's not here to remind us what his name is. Abby made that when she was like 11. Okay. Well, there <laughs> it is. All right. So the tweet of the week is Ellen. Let's go to that. Uh, yes, that was me at the Cowboys game with George W. Bush over the weekend. And here's the whole story. So, um, Ellen went to the Cowboys game and she sat in a box with, uh, Bush, uh, George W. So mm -hmm. there they are. And, uh, they were sharing some laughs and, um, this caused a lot of controversy. Mm -hmm. So then because she people do not want to grow up. <laughs> so Just you know he's a he's a republican I, I think he's kind of like not one of the more conservative republicans but he he's a republican and uh you know ellen's a pretty outspoken liberal mm -hmm. and uh, so then that after all the firestorm of how could you sit by the this guy is a war criminal and all the upsetness about it um then she had to go on her show and she said this so anyway, so we get to sit in this very fancy suite because, you know, he owns the, the whole place. So his suite is, is fancy and he's got fancy friends. And I don't mean fancy like real housewife fancy. I mean like fancy. Look, this is, I took a video of who, who was next to me.
So that was Portia, and that was Charlotte Jones uh, Portia was talking to, and George W. Bush, and then in front of us was the tallest man in the world. <laughs> and, um, but during the game, they showed a shot of George and me laughing together, and uh, so people were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? Didn't even notice I'm holding the brand new iPhone 11. And, um, <laughs> But a lot of people were mad, and they did what people do when they're mad. They tweet, and, uh, but here's one tweet that I loved. This uh, person says, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. And, um, exactly. Here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay that we're all different. For instance, I wish people wouldn't wear fur. I don't like it, but, but I'm friends with people who wear fur. And I, I'm friends with people who are furry, as a matter of fact. I have <laughs> friends who should tweeze more. And I, I have... But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Doesn't matter. Okay. I like that. And I, yeah, I, I think um, recently I've just seen a lot of people who are like, I'm going to be kind to the people who think like me, look like me, act like me, talk like me, are kind to me. And whether Ellen knows it or not, she's upholding and advocating for a biblical value. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I'm like, Ellen, do you know you're borrowing my worldview? <laughs> I, I wish I had thought ahead and, and put the scripture up there from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, if you're only good to the people who are good to you, what good is that? Don't even the hypocrites do Don't that? Don't even the pagans do that? that? I'm like, what, what in yeah. the world? Like, it, our, our call as Christians is to be kind be loving to everyone. And that doesn't mean we have to agree with them about everything. It doesn't mean that we have to uh, walk in lockstep. Like, it's okay. And even you and I don't agree about everything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that, you know, we're like, oh, I'm still kind of thinking about that. Or uh, I totally disagree with that. And we have to give each other space to do that. That's what real tolerance is. Yes. In the culture, we've come to redefine tolerance to be you must accept what I believe as truth or else I'm going to cancel you. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. going to cancel culture. Yeah. But that's not tolerance. No. Tolerance is you and I can disagree and we can still treat each other with kindness in, in our humanity and with compassion. And Ellen, you have beautifully articulated something that I am deeply sorry that historic Christians have have not done a good job of and mm -hmm. we have not displayed well. Yeah. But thank you for calling us to be what we ought to be doing yeah. as Christians. Um and one of the tweets I saw in response to it is George Bush is a literal war criminal. So therefore what? She I mean, I think it's a debatable point, but some people were using that as a cloak for why she shouldn't be kind to him. Yes. You know, I saw many tweets like that. Yeah, so that seemed yeah, to be the it, big, the big rejoinder to that. But I like what Ellen says: be kind to everyone. Doesn't matter. So you know, I think that people who don't like my political point of view, um, hopefully they're kind to me. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, people that don't like your political point of view will be kind to you. It has to work both ways we can't just be kind to the people who agree with us yeah so yes 
I agree. And shouldn't Christians really be known as the kindest people on the planet? Like, it's a fruit of the spirit, people. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't understand. See, oh, yeah. You know what? Never mind. I'm a work in progress. Okay. Say that. Final, final comments. Anyone All else? Right. All right. I think we have everyone. This is a good one. Did you guys enjoy today's show? Yes. So we did. I'm out on. I can't speak for everybody, but it, I I thought we, you know, it was okay. It was all right. All right. All right. Be sure to check out the show notes for past shows. I'll put a few links in there to some things that we've mentioned on the show today, and you can just go to theologymom.com/slash all the things and find summaries of all the shows. Oh hey, you guys! I started a YouTube channel. Woo! I- I haven't really put much up, but it's not like Twitter. Like I really have intention. Twitter, you know, sometimes I'm like, not a, I really have no intention. But um, it's called the real Monique. Maybe no. <laughs> right now it's a well, string of numbers. She needs a hundred followers so we can change the name to something customized. Yes, I need a hundred followers so that I can have like a <laughs> so, customizable, like fresh name. Yeah. Um. So but anyway, so we're go doing, follow, go fi- find her. See, we'll put in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put, we'll in, put in, the in the comments. Show notes, but I'm we're doing these um like little car videos where Krista randomly asks me a question and I answer it. I don't know what the question is. It's all on the spot. And I'm looking over there. I don't know why I'm looking over there, but I'll look here. Um, so, yeah, like she asked me these questions. She randomly asked me a question about um, Black Lives Matter and that hashtag and what does it mean and why is it important and why can't we say all lives matter? And so I answered that question. Um, but, yeah, check it out because I'm going to post more things there. I have a video that I've been thinking about today that I am going to put up. and um, And then we'll also have, like, the show like that'll stream there and also like my own personal things that I want to record are random drive to work questions while we're on the freeway and yeah. she's trying to look in the camera and not hit like you know the elderly I don't know <laughs> something um yes but yes that is it and don't forget to share the show just click on that share button help spread the word if you're enjoying the show like follow us subscribe to the channel all the things because we really need your help to get the word out about our endeavors. And if you missed any of our other race videos this week, we released two other videos mm-hmm. in addition to the show last week where we talked about the the hug heard around or felt around the world, mm-hmm. um, the issue of forgiveness and race. We published two other videos. Be sure to catch the one I published late in the week called 23 Reasons It's Hard to Talk About Race. So good. Yes. I might be a little biased, but I think it's really good. Like, I was listening to it today and was like, ooh, you know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It is good. And connect with us on social media. I'm at Theology Mom. You can connect with Monique at the Real Monique D on Twitter. And catch us on the podcast. Just search for Theology Mom across the board. And you can find us. And Monique actually listened to the podcast this morning and agreed with me it's sort of a different experience listening to us on yeah, the audio the podcast is is the, the audio is a little different than being able to see the picture um i really appreciate that but um, rhyming song says or maybe mogul's waxing <laughs> like the on-ramp guy i don't know what the on-ramp guy is or maybe mogul's waxing on youtube that is hilarious um she wants a mo tv uh, mo tv I didn't see that. Put the threading video up and I will subscribe to Mo TV on YouTube. Oh. 
<laughs> oh, that one didn't populate. Now, yeah. it, now it's the, oh, the thread. Oh, see, you know what? Will I videotape myself threading? Well, yes, I would put that. I up. almost did that today yeah. when we were there. I was yes. like, no. <laughs> we have to wait two weeks, folks. Two weeks. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll grow back. That's what they tell me. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, everyone. We are out of here. Oh, yes, the flash sale. Go check out our Family 210 flash sale going on right now. Promo code SPOOKY. Just this weekend only. Just this weekend only. Get 10% off, and that's another great way to help support the show. Awesome. Yes, yes, so. yes. All, all right. right. We love you guys. Thanks for all your support and uh, all your great ideas. Thanks for sharing the show, telling yeah. your friends, and we hope that this is helping you. And just think about connections between our culture, what's happening right now, and the historic Christian faith. Do I? Come on through. Come on. He said, I subscribe to your channel, Monique. Come on through. Now, if you have a question you want me to answer, um, like a random question that I can't know about, then you guys have to hit Theology Mama because she keeps all of those extremely secret. I have a secret list. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, go ahead and send those out and I will answer. I'll answer anything. A lot of questions have been about race that we've gotten in. I'll answer those, but I homelessness. Did, we didn't want, we did one on homelessness. Um, yeah. I do have other interests aside from homelessness and race, but like I dance or, you know, I like kids, all kinds of things, but I'll answer any Just, question. You'll have to like search for, Monique Dusan for right now. There's no name Here, for it let me yet. See if I can, I can because actually, it's just a string of numbers. That's well, it could because it, be it only has like numbers. seven subscribers. Let's she see. needs to get to a hundred before we can customize the name. So it's we'll put it in the comments. Bob will find it here and we'll put it in the comments. Oh, Did you find me? Yes. Yeah, so. so let's see. Maybe. All right, we're gonna make a quick link here. Monique D. There it is. Oh, oh wait, I left. I went. Am I there? Did you put that? Just type in, search for Monique Dusan. The name of the channel is Monique D. Ten oh, you're up to ten subscribers. Congratulations. Hey, I liked it. <laughs> okay, let me see. All right. That could be me. That may not be me. I posted something. Well, that's you. Okay. Yeah, that's you. All right. There, there it is. is. Okay. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. We All right. Really Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye.